Hey everybody, welcome to The Afterword. I'm Dave Tish. The Afterword's our weekly podcast where we talk about what we didn't get to talk about in the weekend's message. And this week, we're talking about the moment in Matthew chapter 4 where Jesus chooses his disciples. I'm reminded of a, a quote. I was a, I'm a former high school English teacher, as some of you know, and one of the texts that was required for 11th grade was Catcher in the Rye by J.D. Salinger, a classic American a novel. And in it, uh, Holden is talking about the disciples, and this is what he says. I've, I always thought this quote was funny, and, uh, and for a variety of reasons. He says, I like Jesus and all. This is Holden Caulfield talking in The Catcher in the Rye. I like Jesus and all, but I don't care too much for most of the other stuff. Take the disciples, for instance. They annoy the hell out of me, if you want to know the truth. They were all right after Jesus was dead and all, but while he was alive, they were about as much used to him as a hole in the head. All they did was keep letting him down. Uh, that's Holden's perspective on the disciples. And I think a lot of people, as they read the Gospels, would say, who are these guys? In fact, even in the biblical record, we have people marveling, like, why did Jesus choose these guys? They're just fishermen. They're just common, ordinary folks. Steve Clifford's here to talk about that and talk about the question about what does it mean to follow Jesus? What does his invitation mean? And why this story is actually incredibly encouraging. And with that, let's find out if Holden Caulfield was right or if he was wrong. Let's dive in. Well, we are in Matthew 4, uh, and this is a moment where Jesus begins to choose his disciples. It's a, it's a seminal moment in the Gospels. These 12 guys are going to be with him. Um, these 12 guys are going to be part of his story. They're going to live on in history. Um, that being said, not all 12 have equal importance in the Gospel narratives, which is kind of interesting to me because it seems like all 12 would be obviously historically very important. They're the foundation of the church, but not all 12 get equal uh shall we say playing time in the in the narrative yeah so. as we as we watch it unfold it's actually it's quite amazing that there's this inner three right so jesus and then as you read the scriptures especially when you get into acts you realize oh my gosh it's not just the 12 it's 120 so there's this group of three there's this group of 12 and then there's this group of 120 right that seem to all be referred to as disciples so it, disciples is really a confusing term for them it's really more apostles is a, is a, is right. better as it differentiates right. the 12. But yeah, the, you've got this inner circle of um, Peter, James, and John. They're always mentioned first in every list in the scriptures right. through the gospels and in Acts when, it's, when they're listed. In fact, the first, all four from this passage that we've spoke of, the, they're listed for the four early right. ones. And Peter's related to Andrew. That's Bro his brother. They're brothers. And then the other two brothers are James and John. James and John are brothers, uh, sons of Zebedee. Right. And, and strangely enough, there's an indication in one of the Gospels that those four brothers are partners in the fishing industry. Oh, that's fascinating. And it's also fascinating to me, Zebedee is, is seen, those brothers, it seems, are very affluent fishermen now when we think of fishermen we think of someone you know who would be um maybe lower yeah, class lower, or something that's you know you barely know, like a like a blue collar job yeah but it was in in jesus's day first century um the palestinian area it, it's it's 
it's clearly a, a, a very lucrative job. And tons and tons of people would have had that job, as we spoke of in the sermon. So, so you've got, they actually found in an archaeological dig in Jerusalem, they found a building that had a, a, a plate, a plaque on it mm-hmm. that mentioned Zebedee. And we from, don't know. From this time period? or Yes. Wow. And we don't know what that means. But what it could mean, I, w- I almost said probably, but let's just say what it could mean. It might mean, right. Is that the Zebedee family was actually kind of, had a prominent. fish house yeah. selling fish in Jerusalem, which is quite a distance oh. from where we know they were fishing. They were fishing at the northwest corner of the Sea of Galilee, and they're all the way down in Jerusalem. So, And so you can see this is a big shipping business, moving, catching so many fish that they're bringing them down and selling them in Jerusalem. I mean, that's quite... It, so, no, it may not be true, Have but you ever it, seen the quite, Sea of Galilee? Have yes. You, you, oh, yes. You've seen it with your own eyes. I have. Okay. Uh, I have not. So we're getting extra biblical here. But tell me, what, it, what how is it roughly the size of Tahoe? Tell me. So it's two-thirds, uh, I, which I spoke of in the sermon, it's it's two-thirds the size of Tahoe. Okay. So it's a large lake. Sure. Um, it's also, as was said, the lowest freshwater lake in the world, sea level-wise. Huh. The lowest lake in the world is the Dead Sea, just below yeah, it. Right, just um, so and, thing, but it's it not fresh from water the, from the mountains. Jordan fills it, and then it flows out of there into the Dead Sea, which is a it has no tributary, so the Dead Sea is literally dead. Yeah, the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea, and then but it stops. It, but it stops there, and because of the yeah. high content, of the salt, alkali content yeah. of that area, it just it makes the water really unique. Okay, so what significance um, when you look at these four people, the Peter? James, John, and then also Andrew is added into the narrative. Um, just as you were reflecting on it, what what kind of hits you this time as you read about these? Because their stories matter. Later on, John would chronicle the story of Peter very deliberately. Um, and that's really important. You know, his story is really important um, in the Gospel of John, just how Jesus deals with Peter, how he deals with us, those kinds of things. Uh, when you were looking at these four people, these four disciples that Jesus calls, what what jumped out at you this time? Well, uh, it jumps out to me almost every time that I read the guys that Jesus chooses. Oh. Um, when you understand how a rabbi would function, and Jesus, as we spoke about in the message again, was clearly a rabbi, um, because he's he calls himself a rabbi, and then everybody else, his friends and his enemies, all refer to him as a rabbi. Right. And so um, the process of choosing who will be um, his Talmud, his, clo- his, his graduate students. Right, his closest students. I mean, the, right. the folks he chooses are, are not, they're not even college level. <laughs> you know, they're, they're, they're folks that, are, that have all kinds of issues. Not even the B team, the C team. Yeah, I, I just think that, you know, and yet he very intentionally goes after these guys and invites them into the relationship of disciple to the rabbi. And so he must believe. He knows the system. He knows what's going to happen. He's entrusting into them as they watch him do ministry for only three years, not 15 years is what it usually takes. He's going to give it to them in three. Yeah. And so he, he, feels, he knows that that system means I'm going to entrust in them Knowing what's in front of him, I'm going to entrust into, into, the, into them this coming of the kingdom. Right. 
that he's been preaching about and that he continues to preach about and what they will preach about when Peter stands up in Acts in the very right. first part of the book of Acts. He's, he says the same thing. The kingdom of God is, has come, and you guys tried to shut it off. Yeah. And so I'm first struck with just the, the, the type of people. I'm, inc- I'm incredibly encouraged that he would choose a Peter. Yeah. That he would choose someone who is, is so prone to action, which is a good thing, and prone to, you know, stupid speaking, action, <laughs> but that are, yeah. you know, their first thought errors, yeah. you know, they're yeah. the kinds of things that you can tell he, he acted without much thought. Well, I, I'm guilty of that uh, on a regular basis. Uh, um, Thomas, who I think doesn't get enough credit, yeah. um, actually, but Thomas's perspective towards things is that the glass is always half empty. It's always half, I'm not going to believe that till I see it. Oh, I guess we better go to Jerusalem too, and get, let's well, go die with yeah. him. You know, everything's all. You know, it's he's kind of Eeyore. He yeah. is. He's a little bit of an Eeyore, and so, but but Jesus chose him, and then you've got you know you've got a zealot, and Matthew in the same group. So there'd be a political activist who believes that Jerusalem and Israel should be freed from Roman occupation, coupled with a guy who works for Rome, right, and takes taxes to raise a standing army that occupied and, and had bloodshed for Israel. Yeah, it doesn't seem like these two guys should get along. Nor maybe did they, uh, maybe, right? Yeah. I mean, we've got, we don't have record that they get after each other much, but they must have. You know, and it's some, I can just, uh, I can just see Jesus walking between them, <laughs> right? And just k- trying to keep them apart yeah. and, and, and just, just consoling the passions that those two guys would have had to try to make it work. Do you think there's something in the ordinariness of these common fishermen? Because later on in Acts, we're told, we're not told a ton, but they're said, who are these common fishermen speaking such profound truths? Like they have not been educated like the the high-level Gamaliels and these other famous Jewish um, rabbis who are uh, famous. Right. So what, what do you think it is about the ordinariness that speaks to us and and, and your story and my story, too. I, I mean, I think about it, too. But what, what is it about the ordinariness of these people? Well, there's nothing about, wrong with being extraordinary. So I'm just not. I mean, <laughs> as I'm 65, and so I've got, a pretty good, I've got a pretty good estimation of who I am. And I'm, I'm incredibly average. I don't like it. I don't. You're laughing at me, but I don't like. I don't. At you. I, I don't like the fact that I'm average. I'm average height. I'm average intelligence. I'm. I, I just feel like you know. I can always go to to. They always have my shoe size. You know, because my foot is average size. So they really stock the average sizes. And if you have like this extraordinary small or large fit, yeah, you yeah. you have trouble finding shoes. I never have trouble finding shoes. They well, always have my thirteen wide is hard for me to. Yeah, yeah I can see yeah, that yeah. the thirteen. You know, triple E would be tough, but I'll tell you, 10 and a half is always around. Right, right. And so, it, 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 you know, wh- the comfort that comes from that is, is that I don't need to be extraordinary because I serve an extraordinary God. Mm. I don't need, I, I can be just normal. Yeah. Because, because God is going to do supernatural, paranormal things. Um, yeah. Beyond what I could ever imagine right. through his spirit. And I think... He almost intentionally does this, it seems, um, because there's no question who should get the credit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And so that's... He changed the world with ordinary folk. They changed the world. It's not just the 12. You've got to say 120. No, I get it. But with 120, Jesus changes the world. The most dominant empire 
globally, um, I would say that the history of our planet has got to be Rome. It, it's I mean, up there on the list. It's it's if it's not one, it's, yeah. I, I I mean you, you might say there's yeah. a dynasty in the yeah. east. Yeah, but, um, it's very very powerful. It, it is you know, spread over the entire known world from Britain to India. It's got the biggest military it's, for a long period yeah. of time. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, for a very long period of time, and um, you know, they they defeat it. Yeah. What's what, there's a line from John Ortberg. Um, People name their dogs Caesar, and they name their children. Uh, Peter, Paul, and Mary. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so these ordinary people, so there's great comfort in, as you watch them walk with Christ, they simply react to the things around them and they interact with what they know. And Jesus then instructs, well, that's what we do. That's what we do. We simply, we simply react to the things around us um, with a constant input flow of the teachings of the scriptures and the example of Christ so that we might, we might react as if Christ were instructing us, yeah. which, cause I believe he actually is with the Holy spirit. Yes. Um, we have a resource that even the disciples as great as it was to have Jesus there, Jesus himself says, it's better that I go. It will be better for you. The indwelling of the spirit is better than if we actually had Jesus sitting beside us. Now we don't believe that, Yeah. but that's the truth. Yeah. Okay, you talked about ordinary, the ordinary people that Jesus calls. And, and when we say, when I say ordinary men, I, it, it is 12 male apostles, but that 120 is filled with women, and we have their accounts as well. So um, many of them um, likely young, you know, um, as we talked about too. Uh, but there is something extraordinary about this, this story, and it's that they lay down their nets and they walk away from their old life. They walk away from their old career, from their family business, which they yeah. have done maybe for at least years and years, right? As young young men, yeah. young boys, perhaps even helping out, detangling the nets and that kind of thing. They walk away from it. And so a lot of times the impression I was given early on in my Christian walk was that um, the, the, the call to Jesus is a radical one. And that's true. It is true. It's a bit of a death. to It's a lot of a death to self. But then there's another message that got layered on it, and that is, if you're really serious about Jesus, you'll be a missionary. If you can't hack that, then at least be a pastor, and everyone else is a second or third class citizen, according to God, because you haven't really given up everything. You've heard iterations of this, right? You've heard the, yeah. every, you know, that kind yeah. of feeling. Um, this passage is often used for that, right? Sure. So how do you make sense of that? How I mean, is that... How, how do you talk about that? Because there is a radical call demanded uh, to follow Jesus. So you're not saying that, but this, how, how do you make sense of that? So you've got, I love the story of William Wilberforce when he comes to Christ. He's serving as an elected official in, the, yeah. in their house of government. And um, he goes and visits a pastor and he basically says, I, now that I'm a Christian, I'm going to be really serious about it. I guess I need to be a pastor. Wasn't and it John Newton? He John doesn't... Newton, the writer of Amazing Grace, says to him, <laughs> for God's sake and for his kingdom's sake, don't become a pastor. Are you kidding? You've got the, the platform, the great platform that, you know, that can serve his kingdom. Stay where you're at and bring Jesus fully into that. Right. And, and I, so I think, one, we tend to, 
and probably pastors have self-perpetuated this oh, whole sure, thing sure. that we're more important than we really are, <laughs> right? I mean, sure, you know, right. I'm sure that that's a part of it. Sure. But the other part of it is actually a misunderstanding of what goes on here. Yes, they drop their nets and leave, but but it's not a total abandonment of all that they were. They will fish again. They will be in the boats again. Mm-hmm. They will return to their families. Um. We know that because there's stories of Peter's mother, you know, and, and fishing again, you know, when you get to the end of what John 19 or 20 or something and, um, and they're in a boat, they're fishing and they're not having any luck. And, and so it's not like, yes, it's abandonment in that the preeminent place um, is no longer vocation. You know, it's a calling and an identity in Jesus. Right, and I think that that's true for you and I, yeah, but not just, but for everyone. That yes, it is a death to self and anything that, and it's primarily self that wants the preeminent place. Is that for for us to say, our self, our jobs, our family, even our own children cannot be first. Those are all those are all very important things that need to be second, third, fourth, and fifth. Yeah. But they cannot be God placed. Yeah. They, the only place that can deserve number one would be our relationship with God through Christ. Right. And so that's primary allegiance. Primary yeah. allegiance is yeah. what this passage needs to yeah. teach, not total abandonment and I'll never see your family again. Any any group of people that say, leave your family and abandon them and never look back, ever. Abandon um, your family commitments. Abandon your yeah. family commitments. I would I would say run away. <laughs> it's kind of culty, uh, it, it, right? It, it's, it, it's a first. It's a first hint towards cultish. Yeah. Um, cultish practices yeah. is this overemphasis the of isolation commitment. away from family and that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah, and we tend to take particular stories and then if we and. You know, like the the young rich ruler that is called to sell everything and come and follow Christ. Right. You know, we tend to think that's the standard, but that's Jesus only said that to him. He didn't say it, he didn't even say it to his disciples. He didn't say go and sell everything you have and right. and come and follow me. He just says follow me. Right. Uh, come and follow me, which is a beautiful, beautiful invitation. And he doesn't take him up on it. Yeah the the rich young right. ruler doesn't he come. Doesn't. He and doesn't. He, and it's, he walks it's away sad. Which is, there are some people for whom that would be, I, I, Jesus is trying to get us to evaluate our money. What, what's our primary God? Yeah, I think yeah. being the son of God, he had insight into this sure. dude's soul. Yeah. And he realized, oh my gosh, money is so much at the front forefront of his yeah. life yeah. Uh, that he'll never be able to be all life, have life in the kingdom. If he doesn't get rid if of If he doesn't stuff. get rid of some of and that And of course, stuff. that's true for some people as well. So that that applies there. But check yourself before you wreck yourself. Ooh. Uh, I like it. Yeah, well, that's not that's not me. Okay, when you also were going out of this uh, this passage, what else resonated with you with this? Because this call to discipleship and this call of the apostles or call of the disciples um, is 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 the beginning of it. it I mean, because after this, it it's a locomotive. I oh mean, yeah, I mean, it hits. It, it's, <laughs> it's it's running and gunning. It's no time to eat. Yeah, I mean that's if you want to know what was Christ's three years of ministry like. It was um, eating on the way as he's going to something else. I mean, it was incredibly doordashy. Um, yeah, it was. <laughs> it was. It was a challenge. What What hit me was the invitation of the rabbi um, is to come um, and follow me. So first, 
it's this idea of of setting aside i mean i'm not following i'm following him i'm right. following this person this jesus christ in relationship with him and trying to live like him which we have talked about centered around three loves of love god love your neighbor love one another the essence of following christ is the yeah. life centered around those three loves that hit me pretty hard um but also this idea i will make you huh. um that little phrase i will make you yeah of men. yeah I, it, all of the all of the responsibility of development if we will follow mm-hmm if we will if we will be following Christ so we're in submission to him then we can count on whatever it is he wants to do he's taken on 100% of the responsibility to um in that following now I keep saying that because if you if you start walking in front of somebody else you're no longer or if following you, if you stop, or, or if, if you stop, stop yeah. and you and you say you know what I've had yeah. enough of this if you stop then then he can't be involved in the process of making you right. but this is wonderful process of making you into what he intends you to be and that character transformation although slow and sometimes moves very slowly. Um, it, it's just a beautiful, beautiful invitation. There's a depth to his invitation that we just kind of skip over. Come follow me. Right. I, you know? I, I love uh, one of the commentaries I was reading said that kind of put most plainly in the in, in the Greek is here, after me. Yeah, it's exactly. A, it's, it's a right now and yeah. then after it's me. It's all present tense. Yeah. But the idea of continuing on. But it, it obviously points to a continuing association. And then also... Um, that idea that I will make you it's like that's it's really it's a really powerful thing because it's like I'll not only take care of your character but also the fruit you know what your life's going to be about there's yeah. no way these men anyone following Jesus could have possibly predicted the what the ups and downs and lefts and rights the 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 ridiculousness the majesty of their lives you know and they probably wouldn't trade any second of it for a minute you know yeah um you know, we're still we're still talking about Peter, Andrew, yeah. James, and John. Yeah. Um, and the beauty of it, but I'm sure at the time it was intensely confusing, and um, it was all upside down. You know, <laughs> yeah. wait a minute. Um, how are you going to bring about the kingdom? What yeah. is this? And no, yeah. no, 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 no. Jesus, you know, even Peter gets rebuked for sure the idea that he would he would lose his life for this cause you know, is, is Peter, Peter, Peter gets rebuked quite a few times. Yeah. But one of the most famous times <laughs> yeah. is when he's get behind you know, me, Satan. Yeah. yeah. So, um, which interesting come follow me here at, after me. Yeah. And when he says, get behind me, Satan, I, I don't think he's saying that Peter has become Satan, No, no. but he's not behind. He's no longer following. Mm. See, he he's now Peter's up there agenda setting. Oh yeah, he's put himself in front of Christ. And You're Christ not going to die. You don't have to die. You, Come on. Yeah, I got an agenda here, yeah. and that's the message of the temptation. You don't have to yeah. die to to accomplish what you need to accomplish. So he identifies it with Satan's temptations that we've already studied. Yeah, and he's saying, "Get your get, wait a minute. What was the deal here? I said, come follow me. Yeah, not come and walk alongside me. Not even in, or try to walk in front of me and set the agenda. No, get get back where you belong. Get behind me. Yeah, yeah." Um, any anything else that just jumped out at you as you were kind of going through this? No, anything I'm, else on the cutting room floor? No, it, well, maybe a lot, but um, I I just am enjoying uh our time in Matthew and 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 the the privilege or the opportunity to be able to slow it down and how Jay's yeah Jay's laid it out in such a way that we can you know 
breathe take small chunks of it yeah and work our way through one one of the things that's also been really fruitful we're watching uh our, as a family we're watching the chosen you know it's a yeah it's a dane and i have already watched it oh you, you're ahead yeah. yeah so we're at the 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 part of the the choosing of andrew right and um jesus you know seeing him under that tree and uh kind of knowing knowing him uh even before he knew him you know yeah and uh the invitation of that the how peter is this really intelligent can almost conniving thoughtful um deeply passionate person who you're drawn to even in the show but he's He's all upside down. <laughs> and, and, yeah, and it, 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 I think Andrew really is the guy who you would expect to lead. Yeah. He's the guy who has, who's probably has the most training of the 12, it, it appears. And just, and Christ, here's this guy with no guile, right? I mean, right. that he seems probably went farthest in the educational system. Right. And you would think, oh, he's going to be the leader. But yeah. he actually becomes very, the most important thing he does is go and get Peter. Yeah. <laughs> in the narrative, because then Peter begins to dominate and you hardly ever hear about Andrew yeah. any, any after that. Which there's also that, just the idea of come and, come and see this man. Look, you have got to meet this man. This is exceptional. Uh, that's, a, that's a simple form of evangelism that, um, you know, I've, I've been changed by. You know, my, my, that's my story. A, a really good friend said, you know, yeah. he shared Jesus with me. Um, also, just super exciting. Just a, a, a bunch of ordinary people can do something extraordinary. And that, to me, is really freeing and fi- it's filled with hope. Yeah, I, I just I would I always say it, it's not that ordinary people can do something extraordinary. It's that p- ordinary people in Christ can do something extraordinary. Yeah. Now, people, ordinary people can do extraordinary things as we measure them, but... Uh, trajectory changing of the human history. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, right. And and I wouldn't even think about that. The truth of the matter is, is that recently, um, because of something that I said to someone, they then went and repaired a relationship that was decades in disrepair and isolation and um, are now all the richer for it. And, I'm not, there's nothing special about me. I just, I just happened to have time to meet with this person and something I said, empowered by the spirit of God, right. motivated that person to go and try to repair a relationship, which was the perfect timing because that person was actually ready to repair. Oh, that's awesome. And so it's just, you know, it's just ordinary yeah. people listening to the promptings of the spirit and being courageous enough to follow those promptings and then leave the results to God, because you yeah. can't really change anybody's mind anyway. So if you feel ordinary and you feel like you're not super special or other people have gotten a double dose of You're in talent, great, great oh, company. Because God uses and invite, and more importantly, invites, yeah. invites ordinary folks to follow him. And that availability and that saying yes is, is all of it. It's all of it. Yeah. It's very cool. Very, very cool. Well, thanks, Steve. Yeah, good to be with and you. And w- we'll see you. Uh, we'll see you next week. Yeah. Okay. Bye bye. Just want to say thanks to Steve Clifford for stopping by. Always great to talk to you, Steve. Join us next week when we enter into Palm Sunday, the week before Easter. Easter is almost here, people. It's very exciting. We'll talk about uh, Jesus's beginning of his public ministry. 
and the implications of that. And then uh, we're going to dive right into Easter. So it's almost here. So join us next week. We'll see you then. Because okay. every time you read this stuff, isn't it fascinating how different it is? It is. I, it's incredible to me. It's it's like um, it's like when you stand on the shore of a river. Every time you put your foot in the water, it's a different it's a different river. It's insane. Yeah, the water is always different. Yeah, and it's it's like the scriptures are living and active. They are, you know. And so because they're living and active, it's like this flowing stream. And no matter when you bend down to drink, you get new water. <laughs> right? Yeah, it's so great. And so there have been times in my life where I, where I've, I see something for the very first time, and it's been there the whole time. And I know I've read it, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, many many times. Have before. you ever done this? Have you ever read something? You're like, wait, is that in there? Have you read that? Oh, yeah. And I'm like, I didn't. Uh, 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 let me give you an example. Our, uh, um, is Exodus 8. It talks about, in Exodus 8, Moses talks about the priests retiring. And the word retire is used, which means to cease from work. And I have preached my whole adult life until the last few years that retirement's not in the, God, in, in the Bible. And I've heard that said. I don't know, tens of times yeah. by, by different people. Retirement's not in the Bible. I'm going to, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to preach I'd rather I die. Burn, I'd rather burn, burn out than flame out. Or, whatever no, the thing what is. is. It? I don't I'd know. It's flame out than burn out. That's what it is. Yeah. Flame out than burn out or right. burn out than turn out or oh, yeah. I, I don't know, something. And, uh, and then all of a sudden I see this in Exodus. I'm like, what the heck? <laughs> I've read this. I have read Exodus eight. I don't know many times. Sure. I, it's hard for me to even know. So it's, it's. It's something that all of a sudden I'm just going, oh my gosh. And then it's such a beautiful thing because retirement is spoken of in a way that's just totally different. It's, it's a new role. It's not a cease from work so much as it is, a, is stepping away from some of the physical activity so that you become more of a guardian of the philosophies and the, and the, and the doctrine behind it. Kind of like the culture, on. the culture of the priesthood. Yeah. Yeah. The so mentors. So it's a really culture. cool yeah. thing. Because being a priest is like being a butcher. <laughs> it's hard work. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then in Exodus, it's hard work because the tent has to get reset up and torn down every, every time, time they the, move. Every yeah. time the Shekinah moves. Yeah. So. Yeah.